0: Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. Uh, I feel like over the last couple of weeks, uh, this month, I've been to more weddings than maybe the last year combined. Uh, and it's got me kind of, uh, rightfully so, thinking a little bit about love and commitment, and I think maybe even more particularly, uh, relationships. And so, you know, if I was to ask you by a show of hands, everyone in the room, who here is in a relationship? If everyone's hand wasn't raised, you would probably misunderstand what it is that I'm trying to communicate to you this morning. This is for everybody. We we are all in some sort of relationship. We all have relationships in our lives. So if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew, uh the chapter 6. And this is a pretty famous piece of Scripture. Everyone probably is pretty familiar with it, but I want to look at it this morning. And... Be honest with you, I never really saw this section of Scripture as a relationship passage. Uh, and it isn't till maybe in this season of my life, a little bit more maturity, I say that loosely, my wife might would argue, but the, that I begin to kind of see it as a relationship passage, that, that it's nothing but a relationship passage. Uh, and Because we can see it's about intimacy. It's about provision. And I want to start in verse 31. So Matthew 6, verse 31. And so Jesus says, so do not worry, saying what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the the people who don't even know God, right, they run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What a beautiful thing to be reminded of at any stage of your life. What a good thing to say to yourself throughout the week, that God knows what you need. In the moments of life where you feel like you don't have enough, God knows what you need. In those moments of life where you may not feel like you're getting what you want, God knows what you need. And side note, those can be two different things, right? What you want and what God knows you need can be very different. Sometimes we run after what we want And it's not what we need. We don't listen to God. We do say my will, not your will. And it leads to destruction. But God knows what we need. We need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded that the good Lord knows better than we do what it is we need. Even when we feel like we don't have what others have. We need to remind ourselves God knows exactly what it is that we need. Now sometimes, I think this is true, sometimes we can't even receive the provision that God wants to give us in certain stages of our lives because our priorities aren't in order. Sometimes there are things in life that God may want to do in your life, that God may want to give you in your life, that you cannot receive because your priorities are out of order. Sometimes what we interpret as a lack of provision on God's part is honestly a lack of prioritization on our part. Sometimes what you perceive in your life is God not providing what you need is the fact that you don't have things in order in the way that God wants them in order in your life. In verse 33, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, God says, when you align your heart with my heart, when you align my will with the purpose that I have for you, when you let me control the parameters of your life, when you allow me to control the outcomes in your life, when you put your trust and faith in me, all these things, the rest of the things that the world runs after and tries to grasp after and destroys relationships over, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give you a piece that millionaires can't buy. This is what God says to us. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. See, every good thing, every good and perfect thing comes from above. And because I'm in relationship with God, you should have access to everything you need to be, to be the person he's called you to be. Some of us live in a a, a perpetual season of want and need when God has given you all that you need to be the person he's called you to be. To handle the things that you come in contact with on a daily basis. And so knowing these things, we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all the other factors will be taken care of by our Father. If we seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. Verse 34, therefore, and that's an important word in Scripture, right? When we see it, we ask, what is it there for? There's something happening here. The writer is purposely pointing you to this word, saying there's some sort of cause and effect. There's something that I'm trying to point to. And he says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble of its own. You know, people wrote the Scripture... They didn't have all these beautiful chapter markers and and breaks and paragraphs and numbers. All these things were connected. And we need to remember that. So verse 7-1, even though we're entering a new chapter, this is a part of the same story. Now, this is the verse that every addict, every pothead that you know can quote you. It's the only verse in the Bible I think they actually know from memory. And he says, Do not judge... Or you, too, will be judged. And it's the only verse that most addicts can quote you. Every pothead I've ever met knows that verse right there. But listen, this is not saying that I can't speak correction into your life. It's not saying that I can't come to you with hard things that I see in your life that are destroying you. What it means is, is that what I won't do is put your sin on a pedestal while hiding mine. What it means is I won't shine a light on the things that are broken in your life while hiding the things that are broken in mine. It doesn't mean that as Christians we can't come to each other in love and compassion and speak hard truths into each other's lives. We've forgotten that in our church, I think, today. Now verse 2, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, your sister, your boss, your kids, your mom, your dad, how can we say things like, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in our own eye? You hypocrite. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck. From your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. I'm speaking to someone in here this morning. Do not lower your standards. Don't bend your morals. Don't sell yourself short for anyone. You can't sell yourself short for anyone. Jesus said, do not throw your pearls to pigs. Some of you need to pick up your phone right now and text somebody. Give my pearls back. Some of you have been giving what's precious to people who don't deserve it and who God has not ordained in your life. If you do this, they may trample them under their feet and tear them to pieces. This is what happens when love is based on a feeling. This is what happens when love is no different than our favorite shirt. I love my favorite shirt. Then I gained some pounds and now I need a new shirt. So I love my new shirt. I love my favorite food. Then a noon restaurant opens up across the street. Now I love it more. Tell me we don't treat people the same way. I love them in this season, but now they don't fit my agenda. They don't like the same things that they used to like. They don't look the same way they used to look, so I love somebody else. You got to be careful what we give the important things in our life to if if love if your commitment isn't based in the person of Jesus Christ we got a problem verse 7 ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you i i think we need to fix our focus in our churches today i think we need to fix our focus in our relationships today So many factors in our lives are beyond our control. But there's one thing we can control, and it's what we're focused on. There's a lot of things in your life today that are out of control. But what you put your focus on, you can control. And I think one main reason a lot of our relationships fail isn't from a lack of love. It's from a lack of focus. See, on both ends of this passage, there's an aspect of seeking. Both ends. Seek first the kingdom and righteousness. Seek and you will find. And I think the idea is focus. See, in our culture today, this seems to be completely broken. In our churches today, I think it's completely broken, especially when it comes to relationships. I think it's been misplaced. It's misleading. We are so focused on falling in love. Think about it. Every every romantic comedy you've ever watched is solely bent around the feeling of being in love. And it doesn't matter how many relationships they destroy till they get to the end of the movie. They're only focused on the feeling of falling in love. But here's the thing. We're very uneducated on what it means to stay in love. We we, we, we seek after falling in love, but we're very uneducated on what it takes to to actually stay in love. This is why every fairy tale you've ever watched ends at the wedding. Because no one wants to watch the movie on what happens once they get in the carriage. That's true. No one wants to watch a movie on the work that has to be done and the intentional choosing to love someone else each and every day to make the relationship work. We're very uneducated on what it means to stay in love. We need to fix our focus. And I think in our culture, we've got this wrong. There's a reason that these things come to play. And I want to talk a little bit about areas of focus in our life today, specifically in our relationships. And I think we can decide what we focus on. You can't always decide whether someone will stay or leave. You can't always decide whether someone won't betray your trust, whether someone will return your phone call or be there when you need them to be there. You can't always decide what other things do, what other people do, or the factors outside of your life. It's your focus that you can decide on. You can decide to focus on the right things. So I want to ask you this morning, are you focused on finding or becoming? Are you focused on finding or becoming? See, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all the other stuff will move into position. But what we like to do is get the cart before the horse. See, what we like to do is we want to seek first the other stuff, but then all the other stuff doesn't have any foundation or any center of gravity to actually rotate around. When you seek first the other stuff and not God first, there's no center of gravity for the things in your life to actually rotate around. Happiness is not going to be found in your life by finding the right person. Happiness won't be found by having the right job or living in the right neighborhood or having the right group of friends. It won't. It's not going to happen. The only way that we can have the right things in our life, the right people in our life, is if we have the right person in our heart. The only way you actually do have the right people in your life is that you have to have the right person in your heart. It starts with Christ. It starts with our focus on God. And I think the object of the relationships, the object of love, is not that someone other than God can actually complete you. Not in the way that you truly need to be completed. I feel like sometimes, and I've said this to the youth when I would talk to them, like sometimes in our culture and our churches, we talk about dating and marriage, especially to single people. As if their life hasn't started until they get to that point. Like your life isn't, it's less than if you're not dating or you're not married. And you know, I, I have a problem with that, and I really just have one question. How can we worship Jesus then? How can we worship a man who was single up to the point they killed him? We got a problem in our churches if we think that being married or dating is the only way that you've, you're complete. When we serve a person who walked on the earth, And never was married. Never was in relationship in the way that we think relationships should be. We worship a guy who stayed single. And I'm not saying you have to stay single to be like Jesus. But I'll say this. If Paul would have waited around for the right person to complete him, for that right person in his life to make his life whole, we wouldn't have 27% of the New Testament. If Paul would have waited around for the right person to complete his life, and not live out the purpose that God gave him, we'd be missing a good chunk of the New Testament. And I think we teach it wrong. In Genesis, God describes marriage. He's talking about Adam and Eve, and He says that man shall leave his father and mother and go be with his wife. It says that two will become one. It does not say two halves will become whole. It says two will become one, not two halves becoming whole. And we treat it that way. And if you treat it that way, if you treat it like there's another half that makes you whole, you're not going to find wholeness, you're going to find hell. You are. If you think that someone other than God can complete your life, you're not going to find peace, you're not going to find happiness, you're going to find hell. We have to choose what we're focused on. There's no one can complete you other than God. Where is your focus? Is it on finding, constantly trying to find? Or are you focused on what God wants you to become today? How God wants you to grow today? Another thing Jesus mentions is our tendency to live in another time. So my second question is to you, are you focused on then or now? See, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Not because we, we, can't, we don't have a tendency to worry about tomorrow. Not because it's not reasonable to worry about tomorrow. Corey Tim Boone said this. She said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It only empties today of its strength. You're so focused on what's going to happen tomorrow that you missed the opportunity of today. You missed the opportunity to grow today. You miss the opportunity to help and love today because you're so focused on the future. And I truly believe that there's something important about not living in the past. And there's a danger of living in yesterday. And I certainly think a lot of relationships are sabotaged by the things that happened ever before we got into them. A lot of times our relationships, our friendships, our marriages are sabotaged by what happened well before them. Things that weren't dealt with, important things that we refuse to deal with before we jump to the next thing. I think that's why it's important and we preach in our churches about discipleship, accountability, having counsel in your life. You have to deal with now the brokenness and the things that you deal with in your life now. Because you don't leave them in the past, you drag them into the present. You do, you drag them into the present and you begin to project on others your trust issues that were developed long before you ever met them. You begin to project on others brokenness that other people brought into your life and now they become the same thing. If you're thinking that someone else can complete you and make you whole and bring that happiness and you don't deal with the brokenness that is here and now, you'll just repeat the cycle. We have to deal with the things in our life. Why do you think we guard sometimes in our, with our young people against dating at a young age? It is. And I think this is, this is true. Uh, it's, you don't get to leave things where they are in the past. You bring them into your life now. And God's called us to be open and deal with brokenness. Hey, I hear young people all the time say things like, yeah, but, you know, they give me butterflies. Uh, well, I'm not worried about the butterfly that he may be today. I'm worried about the, the caterpillar he was yesterday. I'm worried about the fact that he might not have dealt with his issues in a cocoon. He might look beautiful today. She might look beautiful today as a butterfly. But I'm worried about the mess they went through when they were a caterpillar. And so often we don't deal with our stuff and we drag them through our life, constantly repeating the same cycles we bring into the past. Uh, we bring into the present our past. But I also want to look at how many of us want to live also in the future. We do. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. See, he don't want you to wish away today, waiting for tomorrow to come. Tomorrow can be a cool place to visit. It can. It can. It can be a cool place to vacation sometimes. It's, it's totally imaginary. Listen, I'm not saying that it's wrong to have a vision. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a plan. But at the same time, you can't live there. You can't live in your vision for tomorrow. You can't live in your imaginary world of what next year will be like. See, it's freeing from your current struggle to live in that imaginary world. It's freeing from the constraints maybe of today to live in that imaginary world. The sorrow, the brokenness, and the hurt. You've heard the song, tomorrow, tomorrow, right? I love you. Listen, you don't see people walking around singing today, today. It's just not as cool. It doesn't have the same ring. No one wants to live in today. They want to envision tomorrow because tomorrow can be whatever you want to make it. But the reality is you can't live there. And it's about focus. Because here's the thing. The only way you get to tomorrow is to go through today. The only way you get to tomorrow is to deal with the brokenness of today. So we want to go and try to live in this imaginary world of what next year will be like. The what ifs, the if onlys. And we don't want to deal with the present. And it's a dangerous place for us to be. And it's a dangerous place to us to be. So are you finding? Are you becoming? And if you are becoming, are you dealing with each day as it comes? Quit living in tomorrow. Don't miss the opportunities of today. Uh, You know, I want to switch gears just a moment because, you know, have you ever noticed how it's easy for us to give advice to other people? It's really easy for us to point out brokenness in other people's lives, isn't it? But God forbid, the moment someone has an opinion about how you live your life, right? It's easy for you to notice the things that are broken in someone else's life. But so often we go oblivious to how we live ours. And Jesus, he shifts gears in his teachings and he goes from comfort to challenge and God's good at both. He says, I got you. I know what you need, right? You don't need anyone other than me to complete you. Now don't judge. Now don't judge. So is your focus on what is not or is your focus on what you got? See, when you think about uh, this intimate relationships that you have in your life, the first tool we have is the ability to magnify what we choose to magnify. See, when we begin to make little specks in other people's eyes, huge things. See, if you're going to see a speck, where do you have to be? You have to be up close and intimate. If you want to see a speck in someone's eye, you have to be up in their business. You have to be up in their face. It's not a big thing. But here's the thing. When we want to make these specks big things, it becomes all that we can focus on. This is why most of us walk around every day... (laughs) like we have an Instagram filter on constantly. It is. It's why people keep us at bay. It's why people hide who they truly are, what they're really dealing with. They're so scared of being judged for the brokenness in their life because we'll get all up in their business and be. we're so quick to point it out. We're so quick to point it out. It's why people wake up just like in the garden and we put on our fig leaves. We make sure they're all good and tight so there's no crack in them. So God forbid anyone ever actually sees what it is we're truly dealing with. And we do this in our churches. Church isn't even a safe place for you to come and be broken. Then where is? Answer me that. If we can't gather together as men and women, as children of God, and actually share our lives, and you tell me where you can do it. But we do this all the time. This is why people are scared of intimacy. Because we have a tendency to do this, even as Christians. To keep people at, at a distance, hoping to be loved, hiding all the specks in our lives. And I think, you know, when we're first, you first get in a relationship, you think about it. When you're first in a relationship we magnify all the amazing things about people don't we gosh they're just so laid back 6 months from now man we know this right laid back is code for lazy at first it was endearing i was just so laid back now i'm lazy i think it's i think it's so telling That the very things that can endear us to people, that we can magnify and be so amazed over, become the very things that start tearing our relationships apart down the road. How quickly we can flip. Isn't it amazing what you will magnify in the beginning of a relationship? That will make you love someone that we begin to take for granted as we get closer. You can choose what you magnify. And what you magnify, you get more of. If we begin to magnify the good in people's lives, if we begin to magnify the gifts that God has given people in their life, we can get more of that in return in their life. What are we focusing on? Yeah, I think this is so true. If there's a loss in your life, whatever you have lost, if you choose to magnify that loss over and over, you're going to live in what you lost. Whatever someone has done to you, if you choose to forget the thousand things that someone has done nice to you and only focus on the one time that they disappointed you, you're going to live in a constant, perpetual state of disappointment. If we constantly only want to focus on the bad and the pain, all we're going to get is bad and pain. We need a greater perspective than the moment we're in. We need a hope beyond our current situations. If we walk through life with a magnifying glass, looking for things to magnify, searching for things to be mad about, things that are wrong, you will find what you're looking for. There's no shortage of those. Matter of fact, what I love about this verse is that it says, seek and you will find. I think that's good and bad. Seek and you will find. You want to seek after the evil? You want to seek after brokenness? You want to only focus on the brokenness of the world? You're only going to find brokenness in the world. You choose what you magnify. See, if I don't know, if I underestimate the power we have to magnify things in people, how we can bring out the good in people. I've told this story before, but I remember when Harlow was little, bringing home groceries one time and had a back of the car full of groceries. And I went out there and I'm loading them and I call her out to help me. And Harlow comes out and just a beautiful, sweet face. And she looks at me and I'm putting bags on my arms, right? And I'm carrying four or five on each arm. And she goes, Daddy, I just, I don't know how you do that. You were just so strong. You were just so strong, Dad. And the moment she does that, like you can see it, like chest puffed up. I'm like, yeah, it's hard. And before I know it, like I'm shoving bags on both feet. I got them around my neck. I got some in my teeth. And like, I'm just going in the house like, yeah, baby, this is what a man does. It's what daddy does. Right? Now, I found out later she was doing that because she didn't want to tote the groceries in. But the fact of the matter is, is that she pointed out something very small, whether it was true or not. But it made a difference in how I felt in that moment. It made a difference in my life in that moment. We can choose to magnify the good in people's lives and watch what God does when we begin to do that. See, Jesus said, you can look at the speck and the plank. But here's the interesting thing to me. You ever notice how the the sawdust and the plank are made of the same material? Like, they're made of the same material. And Jesus is trying to tell us, you can choose what you magnify in people's lives. What are we focused on? Are we focused on what they're not? Are we focused on what they've got? Do we decide each and every day that no matter how annoying they are, I'm going to find the good that God has given them in their life? And that's what I'm going to magnify. You should try it and see what you get back. But the speck and the plank are made of the same material. And when I see something in someone else's life that begins to annoy us, that begins to make us angry, that begins to offend us, I think a lot of times because it, Represents something that's not right in us. So I think a lot of times what makes us angry. Upsets us about the brokenness in other people's lives. Is the fact that it's something not right in us. You know one of the things I I do appreciate about this church. Is is us being poured out in ministry. But I, I do think we have to be careful. In the fact that your ministry is exactly what it is. It's you pouring into other people because you're not evenly yoked. You're being discipled. You're being held accountable. You're walking with God daily and God's put people in your life to disciple. It's not something where you go into it thinking, oh, well, I'll influence them. But what ends up happening is they end influence you. You can't fix broken things in people's lives when you share the same disease still in your life. You can't go into places and call it ministry and witness to people who are sharing the same disease that's still plaguing your life. There are things in my life I can speak into, into your life, not because I'm something better than you, but because God's brought me through them and I'm on the other side of them. Not because I'm in the midst of them. Alcoholics don't need to go disciple other alcoholics. Someone who's come through the fire is on the other side of the redemption of God. That's the person I want speaking into my life. You can't help people who share the same disease that you have still in your life today. And a lot of us do that. Some of us are doing it right now. Some of us are doing it without counsel, without discipleship. And we we keep telling ourselves, oh, but I'm going to influence them all the while they're changing us. The world's the one winning. Because we're not being poured into in the right way. It makes no sense. It's because it's what's in us. So I want to ask you the question, is it theirs or is it mine? You know, sometimes what some of us need to do is put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. Some of us need to put down the magnifying glass we like to walk around with in the world and looking into other people's lives and actually stare at the mirror. So I'm asking you, what is it that God wants maybe to teach you today? That God may want to change in you today? I'm going to quote the King of Pop. If you want to make the world a better place, sometimes you've got to start with the man in the mirror. Sometimes you've got to start with the person staring back at you in the mirror. See, God says you can't help those, you can't love those, not properly, who are infected with the same problems and the same disease you're trying to cure and solve. See, it's love the Lord your God. That's the the first half. But it's also love your neighbor. That's the second half. You can't have one without the other. But it also says this. He says that love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's kind of known as a commandment, but I think it's also an observation. That the way you love your neighbor is the way you love yourself. Some of you are in broken relationships. Some of you are literally dealing with a cycle of brokenness because you haven't come to the place yet to see that God has redeemed you from your past. That you can't see yourself the way that God sees you. That you can't love yourself the way that God loves you. So you invite people into your life who are just like you. And you live in the same perpetual state of brokenness over and over again. You can't love people the way God intends it because you don't love yourself the way that God loves you. It's not just love your neighbor. It's love your neighbor as you would yourself. And some of you don't love yourself. Some of you need to see yourself with the perspective in the eyes that God sees you. That what Christ did on the cross was sufficient. And then when he ascended into heaven and took his rightful place at the right hand of the father, he didn't leave you alone. He left you with the spirit of power. He left you with the one who rolled the stone away, that put the breath back in his lungs, that performed the miracles through him as a vessel. It says that God shed his glory That he allowed the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to live and move through him. And Jesus says, that's the one I'm giving you. Some of you, you don't live your life that way. You live your life like you came down and you said a prayer one time that you tried to make a commitment. But how you see yourself, you still see yourself as that broken, messed up, shameful, guilty person. And Jesus says, that's not you. That's not how I see you. I don't just see you through the righteousness of Christ. I have the ability to make you righteous. And until you begin to see yourself through that lens, you can't love people in that way. Until you begin to see yourself with the redemption that God has given you, you can't love people with that kind of redemption. Some of you are living in brokenness because you still see yourself broken and you don't think you're worthy of something better. And God says, I will give you something better in due time. But first, you need to fix your focus on me. Quit trying to find the things that I'm going to give you in life and start focusing on what I want you to be. Daily, each and every day. Tomorrow doesn't have to be awesome. I'll make today awesome. Tomorrow doesn't have to have joy and peace in it. I'll give you peace and joy today. And some of you. We don't see ourselves with the lens that God sees us. So much of that is tied in how we see ourselves. So much is tied into how we miss the opportunity and what God's given us. How he's given us that spirit of power as it raised Christ from the dead. So I want to ask you this morning, where is your focus? I think we've forgotten where our focus should be. I think we're too quick in our churches to constantly seek after our own will and what we think will complete our life. And we quit worrying about what it is that God wants us to become. And I hate to tell you, Scripture's clear. It's like Jesus. So if your situations and your character and your relationships don't look like Jesus, that's because you're living in a way that God hasn't called you to live. You're going down a road that God's told you don't go down. What are you focused on? Are you focused on what God wants you to become today? Are you focused on the past or the future? Are you willing to deal with the things in your life so that the future can be what God wants it to be in your life? You can't live in the purpose God's created for you if you don't allow Him to deal with the brokenness you have today. Your life will never be all that you want it to be. If you don't allow God to make you all that He wants you to be. Are you focused on each and every day? Are you focused on what you can find wrong in the world? On what you can find wrong in people's lives? Are you focused on what God has given us? I think some of us live in a perpetual state of the garden. Where God says, you can have all of this. Just don't touch that. And our eyes can't be taken off of the one thing God says don't touch. And we miss the abundance he's given us. The abundance of relationship. The abundance of love and exception. The abundance of things. We've been blessed beyond measure. Yet we're focused on the one thing God says don't have. And you know what's funny about it? God, it wasn't even intended for you not to ever have. It's just not now. You aren't ready for it. We act like God wants to keep good things from us. When God says there are certain things in your life I want to give you, and because you won't live right, you, don't, you can't handle it. You don't deserve it because you won't put the things that deserve to be first, me, in your life. Are we focused on not constantly looking for what's wrong? Are we choosing to magnify the bad? Are we choosing to encourage and love and lift people up? And lastly, do you see yourself with the value and love that God's placed in your life? My prayer for you this morning is that you begin to see yourself through the lens that God sees you through. That what Christ did on that cross was sufficient for you. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are accepted. God doesn't just stop there, though. He's also given us a spirit of power that he can move through, that he can move in and through our lives, that we can now be a vessel that begins to change others' lives. Do you see yourself as that? Because until you do, you're going to be drawn to the brokenness. But it's going to be the brokenness that influences you, not the other way around. Until you begin to see yourself as one that's forgiven, renewed, and changed, you can never live in that reality. Allow him to change you today. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of God, I do thank you so much. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the relationships within this church. God, help us to love each other rightly. Help us to see each other the way you see each other. Help us to encourage and magnify the good in each other. And quit focusing on every little time we let each other down. Every little thing that can annoy us. Every little thing that one of us can do wrong. Lord, allow us to begin to focus on the gifts and your presence in the lives of the people around us. God, help us to focus on what it is you want to do in our lives right now. Not tomorrow, not next year, not when there's a new president, not when there's new laws, not when you come back and we're on the other side of heaven. But today, as we leave here, that there's change, that there's gifts, that there's talents, that there's abilities that you want to use even now. That there's things in our life you want to deal with now that we've drug them through long enough that you want it to stop here. There's no time like now to allow you to begin to change the things that we've carried around like a weight and a burden. God, allow us to be renewed today. Allow us to see ourselves in a new light today so that we can love people the way you love us so that we can see people the way you see us. Allow us to live in that reality. God, we love you. We thank you for that. We thank you for the opportunity. We ask all this in your name. Amen. You're dismissed.